This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Cooper Linton, Associate Vice President of Duke Home Care and Hospice. Cooper, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, it's a lot of fun to join you. Thanks for having me. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in the healthcare space today, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, I'm one of those strange people that fell in love with home and community-based care uh, early in my career and just never left it. So I've been doing uh, home health hospice or home infusion work in some form or fashion since the mid-1990s uh, throughout the southeast with some work also in the uh, the western part of the country. And I've been at Duke for four years. Um, my background includes strategic planning, obviously financial and operational oversight, some healthcare construction um, certificate of need work, marketing, business development. If you do something for 25 years, you end up doing lots of different things. So uh, I've never never left it because I've fallen in love with the way we deliver care at home. And I, I like where it's going and I like the innovations that are happening here. Absolutely, that's you know really great to hear and what an important space to be in for your entire career. So in thinking about the innovations and everything happening right now, what are you most excited about? I think there are a couple of things that came out of the pandemic and as challenging and at times heartbreaking as the pandemic was, is, we're not truly out of it. What we have found is a greater focus and emphasis on delivering care at home. We found that patients want to be at home. And when we needed to decompress the hospitals during the height of COVID, home-based care became a natural a pressure relief valve for the health system across the country. So for us now to see people experiencing that, they don't want to go back to always going somewhere for care. They like care at home. Patients enjoy that. Families enjoy that. And if you think about it, we now do more work from home. We shop from home. We can get groceries and even dinner delivered from home. Uh, many of us buy our clothes from home. So the idea that we can receive high-quality health care at home feeds into not only good clinical outcomes, but also satisfaction and, frankly, consumer expectations. So this is, this is an exciting time to be in, in home-based care. I'm also excited about the fact that we're, while we are struggling with the financial pressures nationally, we're recognizing there are incredible efficiencies that can be gained by moving care into the home environment. And that coupled with some of the just amazing advancements in technology, uh, frankly, makes me more excited to be in home-based care now than ever in my career. Absolutely. That's really great to hear, you know, in, in thinking about all the different possibilities that there are for home-based care right now, you know, how are you really looking at the future and as well, what types of areas do you see as being primed for disruption, growth, and development? Well, I think we're going to need to do two things at one time. We need to upfit the types of home-based care that we've always offered, home health, hospice, home infusion, uh, in-home aid care and custodial care, all those different types of home-based care that we think of, 
we're going to need to scale those up through the development of a workforce that sees this as a, a career path, not something to do before they retire. So we need to we need to build that workforce up and right-size it to meet the needs. At the same time, we need to begin to think about delivering care in ways that have not been historically funded by CMS uh, or med state Medicaid programs or even commercial payers. It's, this is the time to re-envision, reimagine, if you will, what home-based care could look like. We have technological capabilities today that are massively different than what they were 10 years ago, and yet we're still delivering home health and hospice largely the way they were delivered in the late 80s and early 1990s, which is, if you think about it, crazy. So we need to re-envision home-based care utilizing the skill sets that are available today, the technology that's available today. We, we can get lung sounds on a patient in the home and have them listened to by a pulmonologist in, in real time. We can do virtual assisted visits where you have a provider on one call and, and, and someone assisting in the patient's home to make that virtual visit all the more effective. We can do all sorts of remote monitoring that used to be kind of sci-fi, and it's not. It's normal, everyday stuff. You can buy this stuff off the shelf at a local big box electronic store or have it shipped to your house from Amazon. None of this is crazy, futuristic technology. It's today's technology, but we don't incorporate that in the way we deliver most of our home-based care because our our compensation or reimbursement models, our billing models are antiquated. But we need to reimagine what care should be and begin building programs around how to maximize technology and meet patients' needs at home. In reality, we all know we're never going to build enough boxes and buildings to meet all of the healthcare needs of our aging population and our growing population. We need to learn how to harness where they already live. I think we also need to recognize that there are certain quality metrics which are enhanced by doing that care at home. I'll give a very simple example. If you want to avoid a facility-acquired infection, the easiest way to make that happen is have the patient avoid the facility in which they would have acquired the infection. Doing that care at home is inherently more safe with respect to the uh, possibility of iatrogenic uh, infections. So we need to begin to think about care delivered outside of the way we've historically been paid for it. And once we're able to do that, the payments will follow. It'll take some time and it'll take some lobbying work, but it's time for care to catch up uh, in the home with the capacity that's already there. Absolutely. I think that's a really great point. And, you know, it's so interesting to hear that the technology exists and the capabilities exist to provide better and more care from home. But really, it seems like one of the hindrances is the payment structure currently and how, you know, things are really um, reimbursed within our current systems. 
I know there has been some uh, room for change in, in development there and thinking about whether it's um, new and creative plans for covering people and keeping them out of the hospital or looking at value-based care plans. Do you see any, I guess, hope or movement in the right direction, or is it really still just very much a, a challenge to approach any kind of pay structure that would make sense to set these types of programs up so that patients can have um, more services delivered in the home? So I, there's kind of two concepts I would ask us to consider there, because I think there is some movement, but it, we, we shouldn't always wait for the compensation or payer side or CMS side of the house to catch up. There's two thoughts that I would ask us to consider. One is that what we bill for is not always what makes us money. There may be times as health systems we need to look at using home-based care, not because we can bill for it, but because it provides significant care value and financial value correspondingly by decompressing overtaxed hospitals, also overtaxed long-term care facilities, and allows us to move care into a lower cost environment. An another way to think about this, and this is where I wanna talk about home-based care reimagining itself. We have historically been a servant to our compensation and revenue. I would encourage us to reimagine the way we deliver care, not toward being a servant to our revenue line, but really becoming masters of our value proposition to the healthcare systems, both local systems, but also the larger national delivery system, if you will. What is our value proposition in home-based care, and how do we monetize that? And it may not always be through reimbursement. It may be through reduction of expenses. It may be through existing risk-based relationships with payers where we are compensated for higher outcomes on lower costs, and we utilize home-based care to achieve that not necessarily that we're going to get a new revenue stream associated with it. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, thank you so much for diving into to that and explaining some of those concepts. Now, I know that we've talked a lot about some of the different things going on in the home health space, but um, looking ahead as well, are there any other challenges that you see, anything that you're preparing for in the future? Well, I think I'd probably get thrown off this podcast if I did not bring up the workforce development challenges we have. And I think there's two sides to that workforce development. One is how do we retain the talent? Uh, the the uh, turnover in home-based care is ridiculously high. Uh, it can at times be understandable, but it's still such a high level of turnover if you look at national statistics that it almost crushes the industry. It regresses our capacity to grow. And so what we want to do is find ways to retain our staff, and part of that's to re-envision the way the work is done. I'll give you an example. We had incredibly high turnover at one point in one of our home care programs, home health programs. And we really worked with our frontline staff to redesign the work itself. Not to tell them how to do it faster or better, but to help 
get them to show us how to be more efficient, how to remove the burdens and the barriers to the way the work was being done, and teach us what we needed to teach them. And by doing that, in the course of one year, we cut our turnover uh, by well over half. So our turnover went from, believe it or not, over 70% to under 20% in 12 months. Uh, and people say, well, yeah, but you can't retain that. You can't keep that level up. Well, the next year it went from 20% down to 18%. So, and, and that's in a very competitive workforce, and that was our ends in this market. So it can be done, uh, and we are doing it. But we have so we have to stop that turnover. The other part is we need to reimagine the way our workforce looks. We've historically depended on later career employees. And the idea was that you needed to have more tenured staff in order to navigate the home environment. And, and there's some truth to that. But are there other ways to create that level of experience so that we can begin working with people in the first few years of their clinical careers as opposed to the last five or 10 years of their clinical careers. There's no reason we can't put relatively new nurses, relatively new social workers and aides into home-based care if we invest in the proper type of onboarding, proper type of orientation, and the proper type of precepting so that we're coming alongside these newer employees, these less experienced employees, and preparing them for the challenges of delivering care in the highly heterogeneous home-based care setting. So there's a way to do this, but it's gonna require us to invest heavily on the front end, and it does pay off. So that workforce is, is one of the top challenges I'm seeing We've got to jump on that like crazy because if we don't win that one, we're not going to be able to do anything else. You know, our, our I've heard it said that our staff are a vital part of the healthcare delivery system. I I, I couldn't disagree more. More, they are the entire healthcare delivery system. Everything else we're using are simply tools. Our people are everything, and everything besides our people are just additional resources. But without the critical element of the hearts, hands, and minds of our staff, we have nothing. So addressing these workforce issues is the challenge, not just for the next two years. The statistics are telling us we're going to be dealing with this for at least the next 20 years in some form or another. In line with that, another challenge is how do we incorporate technology into the way that workforce is hired and how, do, and how we incorporate technology into the way we deliver care, because that's going to inform how we train, well, how we recruit, but also how we train new employees who want to come into home-based care. They don't want to work in with 1990s technology. They want to work with 2025 technology today, and we need to give them that opportunity. So we're going to have to embrace, we're going to have to embrace that those technological options and incorporate that into how we recruit, orient, onboard, train, and retain our staff. Absolutely. I, I think that's a really great point, Cooper. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
Well, it's been my privilege and pleasure, and I look forward to speaking to you in the future.